0: This is Jordan Moorhead with the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast, and today we have Catherine Fan on, and she's going to tell us all about her journey investing in real estate in Austin.
1: Hey, Catherine, how are you? Hey, Jordan, I'm doing great today. How are you?
0: Doing amazing. So glad that you were able to come on here. I think we, we both talked before this. We both hope that it cools off a little bit here in Austin. It's August 2022, and it's very hot outside here right now.
1: I agree with that, and every so often we get some of those years where it's extra, extra hot, Mm -hmm. even by Texan standards, so particularly for real estate, it kind of makes it difficult if you're doing a lot of DIY or renovations, and you don't have AC, which gratefully is not my circumstance.
0: (laughs) That's good to know. So really quick, could you tell our listeners who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing in the Austin area?
1: Well, I've been in Austin since 2004. I came here as a student, stuck around after that. I've kind of come in and out a couple of times, like a lot of people have. I've done work stints elsewhere, Um, but I've always maintained a home base here because I don't have family that was based here in the U.S., at least not close family. And so I kind of didn't have anywhere for my stuff to go when I was interning or traveling or working abroad. And I have moved so many times in my life that, yes, I learned to downsize, but it was really important for me to have a place to call my own. So I have been an Austin homeowner since 2014, and I've had a few different job transitions. I studied journalism, and I'm one of the few people who's found my way back into that industry. I've worked in tech. I've been a wedding and concert photographer and learned a lot of random skills along the way that surprisingly all dovetailed into what I do now. In my day job, I write about personal finance and points of miles travel, specifically how to utilize credit cards to earn points for those great business class or five-star hotel stays, which I somehow stumbled into using toward real estate investing as well. So I'm sure we'll talk more about that, but it was really exciting for me to find some areas where I didn't get a great education in actual finance growing up, um, especially how to manage my own money and all of these passions just all kind of came together and turned into a career for me as well as a serious passion.
0: That's awesome. So, you know, well, let's actually talk about that right now. You talked about you, your you're journal, you you're a journalist for, you know, points and points hacking, essentially, is what a lot of people call it. How do you tie that into real estate investing?
1: Yeah, so there are three different triangular ways or there are three different ways I think they all triangulate together. So credit cards... Um, You can apply for credit cards as a business owner or as a personal Mm cardholder, and they allow you to have access to lines of credit that, you know, most people use for everyday purchases, maybe for financing something larger, like an appliance. But where that really comes into play is obviously if you're doing a home reno Mm -hmm. and you know that you'll be able to get the money back. Especially if you do the um, purchase, renovate, rent out, refinance, um, it's often called BRR, as you know. Yeah. Um, those credit cards can give you access to a line of credit that doesn't hit your typical or your personal credit the same way that you know a line of credit, a HELOC, alone might do because you probably already have a credit card or two, you might have access to some 0% APR financing. So that essentially gives you a cost-free loan where you borrow from yourself and pay yourself back before that interest-free period runs out. And so I knew a lot about these cards from having written about them for work. Alongside of that, I was, well, I am a single female investor trying to juggle you know, my parallel lines of personal life and my home and maybe renting out. So it just made a ton of sense for the cards and the real estate investing to kind of come back together a little bit.
0: Yeah, I love that. I personally, I use similar strategies. Whenever I'm doing a rehab, I put it all on the credit card. Of course, I pay it off right away. So I'm not advocating that you fund everything with the credit card. But I get all those points from doing that and I get to fly well and I get to stay in nice hotels and I already have to do the rehab. So why not do it and get paid for it in a way?
1: I couldn't agree more. And as you know, so many times when you're purchasing a new property or even if your house just has a sudden leak or flood or something, you have to get out for a few days, all the money that you may have been saving on rent and saving toward you know, your next purchase or your next remodel can all just evaporate in a day or two if you have to book a hotel on really short notice. So those yeah. points and miles that I'm earning not just help me get really great vacations, but they're also my emergency backup that doesn't force me to touch, sorry, that doesn't force me to tap into my emergency fund of cash.
0: Love that. That's a really creative way to look at it. I had not looked at it that way. That's cool. So You know, Catherine, you've been in Austin since 2004. You've been a homeowner here since 2014. Um, Let's move on to talking a little more about real estate. What do you do real estate related here in the Austin area?
1: Sure. So I really never thought I was going to get into true investing. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, all I wanted to do was have a place to call my own and not be at the mercy of apartment complexes or people who are selling their homes and forcing me to move just because they were going to make a financial transition. So I had a partner at the time in 2014, and I was pretty gung-ho on the idea of buying something. But like the vast majority of people, we had no idea really where to start. Mm. Um, A lot of people currently in this space who are considered serious experts all have the same story of, I didn't know where to go, I started with one. I learned from there, I learned from there. So I very much relate to that. I've got a smaller townhouse in North Central Austin. Mm. I have my current home, which is technically a condo. It's on a split lot, but it lives like a single family home in um, Northeast Austin. And then last spring, I believe I ended up purchasing a fourplex investment property in Colleen. So that was a little bit of a step outside of what I had known up until that point, but it all started with that first townhouse.
0: That's awesome. So your first one was the townhouse in North Austin.
1: Yeah. So it's, Uh, Technically at the time, I would have considered it North Austin and because of the way the city has grown, it's definitely North Central Austin now. So it's Mm -hmm. off of 183, right in between 35 and Mopac. If you know the area, it's just like right smack dab there by the target. And that area is, like many places in Austin, there's just kind of a rash of townhomes there. There are a bunch of little communities, a lot are gated. Pretty much all of them were built right around 1980, 1985. So that was an area that was well within our means at the time to purchase without it being a stretch. And at the time, we wanted it to be, you know, maybe a forever home. So we looked at a lot of options, including out in East Austin. But even back then in East Austin, it was kind of trendy already. And so you could see a lot of those prices going a little bit above moving into that inflated range which we definitely see these days if you consider a lot of the other things that typically make a market great you know it's usually good schools safe areas and so many parts of austin are still growing and developing into a lot of those so the price point we would have had to pay would have been a little bit outside of what we felt comfortable doing especially since we would have probably had to pay to remodel some areas if we found something that was right within our budget. And if we splurged on something that was a new build or a complete renovation, then that would have extended us past what we felt comfortable doing. And even back in 2014, I already hit the same issue that a lot of people are familiar with now. I put in an offer at asking and some buyer from elsewhere put in an all cash offer Mm. for higher than asking. So of course I lost to that and i was so angry about that one after about 10 or 12 offers that i rebound offered on the town hall i had now because i was like well it is literally a third of the price i think i'm confident i can get this one and i did and that totally ended up being the best decision i could have actually made
0: so you bought that in 2014 Uh, what did you pay for it 2014 if you don't mind me asking
1: I don't mind. Um, so in 2014, this was November 2014, okay. and there already was a market boom at the time. So same sort of thing we're seeing here: mm-hmm. prices going up much more quickly than I thought. I would, like than I thought would be reasonable. We spent probably about six months looking, and everything felt like it went up five to fifteen percent mm-hmm. on the searches that we were looking at at the time. So one reason this townhouse stood out to me at the time was because it was 120000 That was kind of right around what it was approximately valued at. Mm-hmm. And it stood out because it wasn't inflated above what it should have been worth.
0: Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, that's still an amazing deal. Um, it is.
1: And I will jump ahead and tell you that it's currently valued at 325000 if you just look at like Redfin and Zillow estimates. Mm-hmm. And I will also tell you, they don't know that I renovated it in 2018. So yeah. internally, it looks much nicer than a lot of the other properties in the same community. And so I think if I were to really push for it in the right market, I could get more than that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's amazing. And that's just the power of buying real estate in a quickly growing market like Austin and holding on to it and taking care of it, which you did. So I agree. My next question. Um, how'd you end up moving out to Killeen? So I know you said you bought a fourplex in Killeen last year. Is that right? Hey, guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here. And I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it. That would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys.
1: That's right. So I'll delve a little bit into personal life here, too. The reason that townhouse ended up being a really good fit for me was because I wasn't anticipating getting a divorce a few years later. But um We were, you know, it was a difficult time, as it tends to be, and my ex and I are um, on friendly terms now, but even so, you know, during those years, it would have been so difficult to figure out what to do with the property. And a lot of times people end up having to sell a real estate when they're splitting relationships because there's no easy way to continue to share custody, essentially, of a property, right? So one person has to buy out the other one, and very few people have the means to suddenly do that in addition to all the other expenses. Um, So obviously, if I had bought that really pretty East Austin house for 420 k that I really wanted, I would have been really screwed, at that point, and so would my partner. Like no, no one is anticipating suddenly paying for a literal half of what your nice house is worth. So the townhouse was just enough that I could still scrape by and pull that together with different resources. Um, and also for me, there were some emotional attachments to that, so I didn't necessarily want to live there at the time. So I was able to find tenants both at a lower price point before I renovated it, and then later on moving into people who were willing to pay market value for what I had essentially paid to renovate it. And so that's kind of where I've been able to find more value. But I fell really in love with Redfin at the point, uh, at 2020, sorry. But I felt really in love with Redfin during 2014 in my search process. Mm. And as many people do, Zillow, Redfin, all those emails and telling you about different stuff that's on the market. So I had continued getting these emails for five or six years, even though I had no intention of buying. So I'd just gotten really in the habit of looking and I'm not a real estate agent, but I can tell you offhand where pretty much every single zip code in Austin is just by seeing the number. I can tell you approximately what kind of a neighborhood it is, what homes might be valued at, what single-family homes might cost. And so as I continue to keep an eye on the market, um, I had a pretty clear idea of where I might like to see myself if I were to move again, if I were to try something different. Um, So... I have this joke that whenever I go through a breakup, I look at houses again. (laughs) So in fall 2019, I went through a breakup. I was like, how do I want to spend my weekends now that I'm not going on dates and stuff? And I just went to open houses. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no intention of buying, but I just kept looking. I was like, oh, some of these are actually not bad. I Mm -hmm. could, this is not a bad investment. And I'd gotten pretty used to crunching numbers for fun at that point. So I was like, well, if I gave up the apartment I have right now, I could look at some of these other properties. So that's how I ended up with house number two. And because I had just gone through that process, house number two in spring 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, my mom purchased a home a few months later, also during the pandemic, my brother was shopping for a home. So all these numbers were flirting around, floating around in my head over and over again, that Then I refinanced it in early 2021 because the numbers were so low. So at this point, it was just, a well, I might as well just keep going. And I started expanding my search and happened across this fourplex listing. I'd never done anything like that before. It's so outside of what I know about Austin, Mm -hmm. but the numbers made sense. Mm -hmm. So that's something we'll probably talk about later, I'm sure. But once you get a really good feel for what the numbers look like, it matters less what the property itself looks like and more about how much is it going to cost? How much more out of pocket to make it livable? What is my goal with it? How do I plan to make money from it? And how do I plan to get out of it if I want to or need to?
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on, talking about, you know, how you got into real estate investing, we've kind of covered that, but yeah, I, I really, I like what you just outlined there just really having your strategy outlined and your your exit strategy, what, what are your big goals type of deal? So when you're looking at a property or when you're looking at this fourplex, let's say, how are you looking at it and how did you run the numbers and what is your exit strategy on that property?
1: Sure. Um, I think... One of the most important things for me was actually getting to know myself really well, Mm -hmm. understanding what my personal situation is like, um, what my financials look like, and how much energy and bandwidth I have to manage things. So this was probably more important for me than pretty much anything else because there are some core aspects to any type of investing that matter, Mm -hmm. but knowing your own profile of, are you more of a conservative person? Are you more risk averse or are you more risk friendly is really helpful. And so for me, I think I tend to be willing to take a little bit more risks, but at the same time, I recognize I'm my own security, like my own safety net. Mm -hmm. So I never look at anything that requires more risk than I can reasonably expect to pay off without going into massive debt very quickly. Mm -hmm. And the reason the fourplex made sense was when I was looking for this current house in Austin, it was already becoming so difficult to find a cheap duplex if I wanted to do that for house hacking or something like that, that it didn't make sense to drop $400,000 and $500,000 for something that I wasn't entirely sure I could pull off. It's totally doable. There are people who are way more risk-friendly and have more means or more ability to do that. But just for where I was in life at the time, it didn't make sense. But since Colleen is just an hour north of here and it still has an adjacent but different market, all of the numbers made sense. So, so far, I have yet to purchase a property where I've paid more than $200 per square foot. Of
0: okay, uh, building
1: well, that's cheap. Yeah. and that is a really safe space for me just for where I've been up until this point now that I have more assets and more cash flow it's now easier for me to move into something a little more grand if I were to take that on but based on where I was especially after the divorce and switching jobs a couple times that number is kind of my ceiling So it doesn't really matter how great of a deal it is. If it's 10,000 square feet and it's, um, you know, $100 per square foot, that overall total of what it would cost is more than I'm comfortable taking on. If it's 200 square feet, but $500 per square foot, then that's also not within something that I would consider to be a good deal for me.
0: Okay. Awesome. So you're looking more at the price per square foot or... You essentially, you know, buy it under the rebuild cost. Mm-hmm. So I assume it's it costs 250 square foot to build something even in a like a builder grade quality 250, 300 square foot. You're trying to buy it 200 a square foot just to stay in a safe range for you.
1: Yes, just because when I was getting into this, my cash flow options were lower and I wasn't comfortable with or familiar yet with how hard money would work.
0: Okay, cool. Awesome. Um, is there something that you talk, so obviously you cover a lot of, you know, how, how to use points and tie them into real estate investing. Is there something you tell somebody that's looking to get into those kind of strategies? So they're saying, Hey, you know, I, I hear about this credit card hacking strategy. What's the first thing that you would tell somebody to do? They don't have any credit cards or they don't have any that give you any good benefits. What should somebody do when they're looking to figure out what type of cards to approach? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole-life millionaire.
1: Sure. So just know that credit cards are going to overlap a lot with your real estate journey, even if you don't want them to. Every time you apply for a credit card, it is going to be a credit pool on yeah. your account. So again, if you are looking to purchase a property, don't do anything with new credit cards until you've closed on your loan and everything is set. Because otherwise, you're going to have this little peppering of credit pools, credit checks that can really impact your ability to get a good rate. And when you do get a credit card, Um, Or if you pay off a huge sum of money on a card or any other debt for that matter, it is going to impact your credit sum. So even if you don't think you have a credit card strategy or a financial strategy, this is one thing you really want to know going into real estate. Don't do anything major with your money until you've secured your loan, until you have the best rate you can. And here's one thing that I'm seeing a lot of people in Austin say right now, oh, you know, my credit score is maybe 600, but I'm really worried that this market's changing. And if I don't get into it right now, um, I'm gonna lose all the opportunities. Um, it's super important to recognize that emotions will get in the way whether or not you think they do. They just always do. So don't you don't have to feel like you have to be perfectly logical about it, but recognize where the emotions are going to come in and compensate for that. Maybe it does make more sense for you to sit out on the purchasing process for a little bit to get that credit score above 740. There are a couple of easy ways you can do that to boost your score, you know, pay down what you can negotiate with different um, issuers or debtors, uh, people you owe up to, to get your credit score back up to a higher range because that does get you the best interest rate. That also gives you, you know, that and other financial Indications of stability will get you better pre approvals, which means that you can make a wider, cast a wider net of properties that you're considering. So, yeah, credit is a really important aspect of real estate investing. Anyone who works with you is going to want to know what your strategy is. Even a buyer is going to want to know. Well, okay, you're paying all cash, how can you prove to me that you really have this cash? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise you're gonna waste their time, which costs them money as well. And as far as the credit cards specifically go, um, it depends also if you are planning on only using personal credit cards, there's a strategy there. If you can open an LLC for your real estate investing journey, which I do very much recommend past a certain size. Um, there are a slew of small business credit cards that can get you way larger sums of uh, potential credit to use there too. So when you are looking at your strategy for investing, take into consideration all of the different means by which you have access to money, not just what you think you have in your bank account right now.
0: Okay. Awesome. And, you know, you mentioned something about business credit cards and, you know, if you can open an LLC and and have some income that LLC you can get a credit card for that. Is there, are there any sort of, cards out there or any sort of credit card strategies that you would recommend our listeners avoid or Mm -hmm. whatever works best for you?
1: Yeah. So here's an interesting thing about what I do for a day job. For the most part, when I'm talking about points and miles travel, we're talking about getting the best credit cards to get you the most miles, the most points for spending for vacations and stuff like that. Personally, where real estate is involved, I shift up my credit card strategy in that area because what I want is usually the longest 0% APR financing that I can get, yeah. um, the largest amount of money that I can be approved for in my line of credit, perhaps, you know, the best return policy for things like appliances, the best uh, purchase protection, something that extends my warranty by an extra year past the manufacturer's warranty. because. Yeah, traveling is great, but you can do that on your personal credit card strategy where real estate is involved. You want your credit card benefits to protect you as much as you can on the expensive uh, investments you're making. Like if you do find a vendor or a supplier who allows you to pay for $30,000 worth of supplies on your credit card, but they do shoddy work or straight up just take your money and run. You want to have your credit card issuer be your backup line of protection so that you're not just automatically out $30,000. You want to make sure that maybe they will give you um, a purchase guarantee that they will refund your, your money if you can prove that this person didn't provide the service that they promised. And then the issuer themselves will go after this person for um. Unfulfilled services or something like that. Now, there aren't any perfect credit cards that do all of these things, mm-hmm. but even just one or two makes all the difference. Like, usually you only need, you know, nine to 18 months of zero percent financing is fantastic. You're not going to get that from pretty much any lender. Yeah. So, even just one card there can make a huge difference.
0: Awesome. So, do you have any recommendations for business credit cards for real estate investors that you're saying, hey, you know, these are some of the best? Like, I, I use, I have a few American Express cards. In one of our real estate businesses, we have like a, I think Chase Sapphire Cashback, something like that. Mm-hmm. But are there? So, any actually,
1: cards? the Chase Sapphire cards are personal cards, but the Chase Ink series oh, are I my very. Versus. Yeah, I think so. The Sapphire is a fantastic personal card. Highly recommend that too. There are two under the Sapphire umbrella, but the Chase Inc. cards are some of the very best, my personal favorites for small businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, Two of them are free cards. One of them has a $95 annual fee. All of them have really fantastic benefits for small business owners. And they're really flexible in defining what a small business is. It can be as small as, you know, a young person who sells $200 worth of Etsy goods out of their home per year, all the way up to, you know, 50 million, a hundred million in revenue per year. But I'm totally a chase Inc. geek. So shut me up at some point if I need to, Uh but you know, they provide you with a lot of those benefits. I mentioned just now, Um, some will have 0% APR. uh, Some may offer limited time bonuses for signups. If you sign up now, you can get up to $750 or $1,500 worth of value. If you hit the required spend within a certain amount of time, um, purchase protection, a slew of different benefits. And you know if you tend to have certain categories of higher spending, like shipping or advertising or um, travel, they give you bonus points per dollar you spend. So I'm a big fan of those cards. They're not perfect. They're not the world's best of all time. If you want a bougier, more premium card, those definitely exist as well. But I really recommend the Chase cards for pretty much anyone because they're available to just about anyone. There are some other cards out there that are great for 0% APR. Some of the longest ones, maybe personal cards, I believe. There's one that offers up to 21 months of 0% APR financing which is just so much time to get your investing strategy together, pay off something and maybe even pick up something else. So lots of options out there. There are a lot of really great websites that teach you about the credit cards, but personally I have yet to actually find one that focuses on the intersection of credit cards for real estate. So a lot of people like you just kind of learn it all on their own or they have assistants, they have a team who all know this, but that knowledge is just kind of sitting there in the minds of a lot of uh, fairly quiet, very busy business owners already out there. There isn't necessarily a you know, repository of all of that that's publicly available.
0: Sounds like you, you should be the one with that website. Um, I am
1: thinking about it now as we talk about it.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, you, you know everything about it. Um, so, Catherine, what's next for you? What, obviously, you, you've you've had a good career as a journalist. You know, talking about all these these amazing hacks, and you know everything about that. But what's next for you on the real estate side? So, what are your long term goals with real estate, and what's your vision for the future for the real estate investing? Jordan Moorhead here. Really quick, he wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on.
1: Sure. Well, I want to be really honest about how the last couple of years have hit me. My industry changed a ton during the pandemic. I don't think there's anyone in this world who hasn't been impacted by it in some kind of way. and. I'll be super frank. My mental health has taken a really intense toll over the last year or so. So, again, since I am. Oh, thank you. But again, since I am my own safety net, Mm -hmm. I really had to sit back a little bit more and take a more conservative approach with myself. Mm -hmm. So I would say a lot of what I've done in the last year or two has actually been more maintained. Once I took full advantage of all those great low interest rates and kinda had some systems running, um, I actually pulled enough money out of refinancing that first townhouse to give me a little cushion of cash after I purchased the investment property. And I had all these grand ideas for what I wanted to do with it, but I got COVID again, I had long COVID symptoms, I had depression. And so a lot of this year has actually been me sitting back and teaching myself how to make peace with sometimes there are going to be periods where your life tells you to wait Mm -hmm. and learning to rephrase that in my head as I'm not out of the game. I'm not failing. I'm just holding tight to see what's coming next. Um, I think that mindset has actually been really helpful for me because I tend to be a very hustle, hustle, hustle person as many people coming into this space are right. Like, A lot of people our age aren't doing this. We're learning how to do this now and all figuring out our own way. So teaching myself to just say, hey, it's okay that your journey looks a little different right now has been super helpful. And you know, when I've peeked my head back out of my little depressive hole, I've noticed the market is crazy. The economy is crazy. And so that's kind of helped me recognize a little bit too that for me personally, it is okay because I haven't kept up as much with this chaos. So now that I've taken good care of myself and I'm getting back in the saddle, now I can reassess, okay, what does everything look like right now anyway? The world's kind of been a snow globe. Everything's shaken up. So what I knew before is not necessarily true anymore. Like $200 per square foot may not be the right guideline to use anymore. Sure. So Long term goal, just learn how to take really good care of myself because this is a marathon, not a that's sprint. A yeah. And yeah. And I feel like, you know, the sky is the limit at this point. Anything's possible. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of reading while I was in my little depressive hole. I was learning how other people think, what other people are doing. So instead of just sticking with the strategy that's worked for me so far, mm-hmm. I have more education under my belt and a better understanding of different ways I could try something next time. So literally, I don't know what's coming yeah. next, but that is a good thing because yeah. it means my eyes are open and I'm excited to see what might come my way next.
0: Awesome. It sounds like you're prepared for it, too, which is is good. Hopefully. Um, Catherine, what's the best way people can get a hold of you or follow you on social media?
1: Yeah, um, I currently do most of my f- posting on Instagram. Just okay. kind of sheer snippets of my life. Mm-hmm. I used to use this a lot for traveling. Mm-hmm. Kind of took a pause on that during the pandemic, but it's just my first name, last name and girling at the end. So my name is Catherine fan and it is Catherine fan on Instagram.
0: Awesome. And we'll make sure to have that in the show notes for everybody too. So you can find Catherine on Instagram at Catherine fan Okay. Great. Most important question we have here today, Catherine. what is your favorite restaurant in Austin?
1: Oh, I love this question. So a very recent new favorite is Bamboo House on North Lamar. It's right across from that uh, Ranch 99, 85C Cafe Plaza. So there's a lot of fantastic Asian restaurants in that area. Mm -hmm. But Bamboo House is over on the side by the brewery. Mm -hmm. It opened literally july 2022 and it has the best uh best peking roast duck you can get in austin it's so crispy so flavorful you're gonna want to line up right at opening time or right before it to make sure you get one because they roast about 35 to 40 per day and i've heard that they sell within minutes of opening
0: wow i love i love roast duck too
1: it's so good. And if you happen to miss it, don't be too sad. The other dishes are fantastic too.
0: This is a complete side note. Do you know if they do takeout? Can you like order ahead?
1: I'm not sure if you can do takeout, but they're really strict with the duck because I tried to order a whole duck once for just two people and they said two people, half duck only. I was like, okay.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so it's good. It's definitely an experience. I recommend taking friends so you can have more bites of different food.
0: Yeah, I'm into it. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on here, Catherine. I loved hearing your story, and I loved hearing how real estate investors can best use points in conjunction with their real estate investing to both protect themselves and get more out of the money they're spending.
1: Thank you. It was great talking with you today. This was really fun.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, and we will talk here soon. Bye. Bye.
1: Yeah, so we have talked a little bit about how a lot of people struggle to kind of figure out what might be the best credit cards to use for real estate developers and investors who are just trying to get into the industry. One of the best things you can do with credit cards is understand um, how to get higher cash flow, um, find out something that might give you purchase rewards for every dollar that you spend. And one of the most useful features I think of when I think of credit cards for real estate is um, 0% APR. So a lot of times when you sign up for a new card that's perfect for small businesses or other major expenses, they'll offer you something that incentivizes you to uh, go ahead and spend for that first 12 months, 15 months, all the way up to 24 months without any interest. So, of course, you'll want to be responsible with how you use that, but it can be really useful if you are getting started on a new home run out. I know, Jordan, you said you've got a couple of flips in mind as well for yourself. So something like a credit card can help you fund all of that and you'll be able to pay it off with the money that you get out of your refinance without paying a single penny on interest. Right now, there aren't a lot of really great resources out there for quickly seeing what's best for real estate investors, but I'm putting together a website and it's just creditcardsforrealestate.com. Just all spelled out, all one word. You nice. can go there or you can go to Instagram. Instagram will be credit cards for real estate and see what's helpful for you. You'll find a different range of options from best cards for 0% APR, Best cards for that initial signup bonus, best cards that will earn you, uh, travel rewards for a trip you might need to take, or something that can just help you uh, separate your bills from your everyday expenses.
0: Love it. Awesome. So that's just creditcardsforrealestate.com, right?
1: That's right.
0: Perfect. Sounds good. Everybody go check out creditcardsforrealestate.com. or at credit cards for real estate on instagram
1: yep thanks so much
0: thank you katherine